Lauren. Mike. Lauren, have you started your holiday shopping yet? <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm just, I'm giving people hugs this year, provided they are vaccinated. Right. No supply chain issues there, just free hugs. Well, that will be delightful. Oh, all right. Good to know. I'm glad you approve. You might want to start hugging now. Why is that? We're going to get into that on this week's show. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori, a senior editor at Wired. And I'm Lauren Good, senior hug giver at Wired. I'm <laughs> we a writer. <laughs> we're also joined this week by Wired senior associate reviews editor, Adrian. So hello, Adrian. Welcome back. Hi, guys. Great to have you here, as always. And happy holidays. Okay, sure, it's probably a little early to be saying that, but that's kind of the point. You have no doubt been hearing a lot about problems with the global supply chain. Computers, new cars, e-bikes, televisions, the whole consumer products industry seems to be stalling out. You may have even encountered this. You go to order something, it gets delayed during shipping, or it just isn't available to begin with. Later on in the show, we're going to go over some advice about how to get your shopping needs taken care of during all of this weirdness. But first, we want to talk about the supply chain mess itself. First, maybe we should define what is the supply chain. It's becoming something of a meme where people often joke that like they can't find a date right now because of supply chain problems or they can't show up at work because of the supply chain. But it's actually a very complex system. Adrian, you recently wrote a story about supply chain and all the problems. Can you talk us through what's going on here? Well, I want to start off by saying that it is absolutely insane that for the past couple of years, we've all been conditioned to believe that literally anything we want from anywhere in the world is going to appear at our doorsteps within like 24 hours. Like that is literally insane as someone who used to like get packages of underwear shipped for three weeks from the Philippines. Like it like let's start off by saying that we had unrealistic expectations to begin with. But in the world that we live now, things get manufactured in other parts of the globe. First, they have to get made, and then they have to get packaged, and then they have to get put on a boat or a plane or a truck, and they have to make their way, all shepherded by hundreds of people from where they're going to where they're supposed to arrive at, which is at your door. And... I don't know if you guys have heard that saying, like, for want of a nail, the war was lost or something. It's such a huge problem. And there have just been steps, like, failing at every single point of this. And as gear testers, we have been experiencing this personally for months um, from the entire end, from not having enough supplies of computer chips for the gadgets that we need to test all the way to packages that are in Portland, where I live, just doing an endless show pony circuit around my house. Like I can literally see packages arriving in Portland, going up to Alaska, and then coming back. So they're just taking my stuff with them for the Grand Western Tour. The whole thing is just, it's madness, I tell you. It's madness. <laughs> Yeah, just to reiterate what Adrian's saying, as gadget testers, we've certainly had insight into this for a while. Mm -hmm. And in the past, if a company announced a new hardware product and then it was delayed for whatever reason, it would often be attributed to something just not being ready with the product. And, and maybe we'd kind of guess and say like, well, 
the, the software is not ready or they're experiencing like some um, feature that they've overpromised that they need to get right before they ship out to consumers. Or the screens were all glitchy or there was like a battery problem. Right. Yeah. Or a battery. Exactly. And now it's like they literally can't make them like they don't have no enough screens, supply there no <laughs> yeah there's not <laughs> enough screens or batteries to to go around i mean in this case we know it might be chips um mm. because the microchip shortage is certainly what's driving a lot of these problems in terms of what the supply chain is i've been wondering about this too because it does seem like it's just become a catch-all phrase for what's going on and so i reached out to tim brown who is the managing director for the supply chain and logistics institute at the georgia institute of technology this has been around for a while but as you can imagine they've been really busy the past year yeah. or so i had first seen him quoted in a story in the atlantic written by amanda mull about reverse logistics and i had some questions for him so i basically asked him that i was like what is the supply chain and here's what he had to say so supply chain is physical flows financial flows and information flows so you got the three types of flows you can't have any one of them without the other you know you can't uh, move goods from point a to point b without having a buyer and a seller exchanging funds and you can't uh, move the goods without um, having information about how much needs to move what the specifications are and uh, where it needs to go from and to. So the three have to go together. Supply chain is manufacturing. It's the transformation of raw materials into intermediate work and process to finish goods. It's transportation, inbound, outbound transportation between different channel partners. It's warehousing and fulfillment, you know, storing goods, breaking it from large quantities into smaller quantities, those type of activities. It's inventory management, it's uh, planning, determining how much of each level of inventory is needed and where it needs to be stored, and it's procurement. Um, it's uh, you know buying things, determining where to buy it, uh, who to buy it from, how much, and coming to contract negotiations on pricing. And in addition to all of that, the, the area of supply chain that people uh, tend to ignore or think the least about is a reverse logistics. What do you do with goods at the end of their life cycle? Or what if too much is bought? Or if the wrong stuff is bought? Uh, or if you just don't like it? You know, So reverse logistics is also part of supply chain. But what he said that was interesting was that during this time period, it's not like we're really experiencing disruptions to financial flows or information flows. In some cases, there are disruptions to information flows, like in the case of cyber attacks, which maybe we'll get to. But for the most part, like people do have a little bit of disposable income right now. They're willing to spend on things. A lot of information we have at our fingertips is digitized, so there's still flowing information. It is a right now we are what we are primarily experiencing is a physical flow problem, and that is the element of the supply chain, this multi-link supply chain that we're sort of focused on right now. Right. And like Adrian was saying earlier, you know, we see packages arriving in the United States. Maybe they're sitting in a shipping container. Maybe they're sitting at a customs facility because everything is so backed up that when things actually do start moving, it's just the, the problem doesn't go away. It just gets worse. And the thing that like what Lauren's point about how it's a physical problem, like we forget that we exist. I mean, this is something that's easy for us to remember because we're testing gear. We have to hold the gear uh, every day in order to test it. But um, it's also a people problem. Mm -hmm. We're not quite at the point where the drone can, you know, like shepherd the package onto and off the cargo ship and then onto and off the FedEx truck. Like they're actual human people 
who need to be walking these packages all the way up to your doors. And in a lot of cases, every shipping company is just dramatically understaffed right now. Yeah. And, you know, that that is sort of leads to the question that is this a pandemic related problem? You know, because everybody is well, not everybody, but a lot of people are at home more often than not. And they're ordering more things over the Internet instead of going to the store. So, you know, the shipping companies are overwhelmed. And is that like does that the pandemic at all play into any of the supply chain stuff? It definitely does. But I think that might be an overly simplistic explanation for it. Um, well, <laughs> and that's what I mean. Yeah. Once again, <laughs> I can't a find man. a date because of <laughs> supply chain disruptions. Um, but I mean, there are examples where at the start of the pandemic, when everyone was sheltering in place and factories were shut down, that was an obvious breaking point in supply. Yeah. But that actually was resolved relatively quickly, right? When you think about uh, all the tech companies that we cover that manufacture goods in China, um, and, and relatively quickly, those factories were back up and running again. Um but then there are other examples where some of the disruptions are completely unrelated to the pandemic. Like there was this cyber attack this past summer on JBS, which is the world's largest meat processor, which ended up forcing the shutdown of these large beef plants in the United States and disrupted production at poultry and pork plants. And so there was like a meat shortage for a while and the prices were really high. And that was because of a cyber attack. Now, like, was that about the pandemic specifically? It wasn't 100 percent related to it. Um, some of those are going to be related to the pandemic, but some aren't necessarily because of what we're living through right now. Mm. It gives me hope, actually, that some of these breakdowns can be solved through policy decisions. I know that a few days ago they started fining people who were leaving empty containers uh, in the ports in California, which seemed like, you know, a punitive way to get things moving again, but probably necessary. I hope that there are, you know, we can identify some more fixes that are a little bit faster and more efficient than just fix the whole supply chain. Yeah. So aside from the processor shortage, is there anything else that is affecting our ability to buy any sort of gadgets? This is the gadget lab. I should ask this question. <laughs> yeah, I'm really <laughs> curious about this because I've wanted to know if there are other raw materials or components that we're just overlooking, whether it's, um, I don't know, some type of glass or something like that that typically goes into our phones. Um, and so once again, I asked Tim about this. And is there anything else, you know, any other components we should be keeping our eye on in terms of the electronics market? And his answer was, I don't have a simple answer for you, but it has to do with whether or not the goods we're using are complex or simple goods. And here's how he described it. Think in terms of complex goods versus simple goods, because there's always going to be breakdowns and misalignments between supply and demand, whether it's chips or plastic or, you know, petroleum or whatever. The challenges with complex items, say like with receivers or computers, or, you know, the latest and greatest, that type of thing, there are so many pieces, you know, different types of metals, different levels of fabrication, different um, subcomponents made. And all of these pieces are made in different countries. You know, you might have um, the, the core glass sheet made in Kentucky and it be sh shipped to, ta to Taiwan to be cut into smaller sizes and then sent to Hong Kong. And then from Hong Kong, it's um, uh, made into you know, cell phone size and then shipped to um, Shanghai for, for final assembly with all kinds of other pieces. So when you introduce these complex items with all of these pieces, you, you, there's, there's opportunities for breakdowns all along the way. So I think, you know, there's going to be continued disruption on complex goods. 
Um, but things will be easing off and have eased off on more more simple goods where you don't have as many components coming together and and there's not as many countries and lanes involved with pulling everything together. And as we know, a lot of the gadgets we use today are complex. I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them, especially as everything like, you know, even your toothbrush becomes Internet connected and needs some kind of wireless radio or a Bluetooth chip in it or something like that. The other shortage that I was thinking about was a paper shortage, which is like from going from like the most complex piece of a product all the way down to like the absolute least complex piece like paper mills can only produce a certain amount of pulp. And if it all got diverted to toilet paper, as we discovered earlier this year, like, I'm really interested not only like physical books, but just like the packaging for all of our phones and iPads that have to get to our doors. Like if they if all the tablets can get made, but they can't get shipped like that is another obstacle that we may be seeing. Very true. Let's move on now from talking about the problem to talking about the solutions. Uh, In our next segment, we will also cover some tips on how to shop for the holidays when you can't buy anything on the internet. Welcome back. So if the supply chain is borked, what can you do about it? Step one is to be realistic about what sorts of things you'll be able to actually buy. That's why we've got some do's and don'ts of holiday shopping here for you. Adrian, let's rip off the Band-Aid right away. Is there anything that people should just accept that they're not going to be able to buy this year? I am preaching to the choir here because everyone who wants a PS5 is probably already aware that it's going to be exceptionally difficult to get a PS5 still mm. year a year after release. But um, the obvious answer there is... Uh, Gaming consoles and graphics cards. This is not the year to, unless you want to spend, you know, $800 on your NVIDIA, yada, yada, yada. That seems to be the obvious. <laughs> is that their new product for the holiday? Yeah, that's the, the official NVIDIA, product. Name. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, they may as well at this point, right? It's yeah. exception. I, I, as I, I'm saying that in the most respectful way possible. You're yes. In, you're of very, you're very important and necessary. NVIDIA, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's um, the other one. That's the that's the, the yeah, really that's, fancy one. That's the upgraded version. That's <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that is going to be really hard to get a hold of right now is if you haven't been converted to a Kindle yet, uh paper books are going to be really difficult to get a hold of, especially if you like I do um try to patronize independent bookstores. So I really highly recommend uh, getting hold of those um, as early as you can. Nice. Adrian, I'm curious, as a parent, do your young kids have a sense of what's going on with the supply chain? Like, I'm sure they've heard it, all the adults talking about it in conversation, but do they know what it means and like what that might mean for the holidays in terms of gifts? They, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard, Lauren, but Santa has chartered his own transportation vehicles. So he doesn't he doesn't have to go through like the port of Long Beach or whatever. Another thing that's important to note here is that my kids are young enough that I can find most of the things they want on Amazon. They've already, you know, circled and triple circled all the things in like Amazon's special like holiday toy catalog. And um bigger retailers like Amazon and Walmart are able to charter 
their own boats and in Amazon's case, buy their own air fleet. So <laughs> if you're in doubt about what retailer you should shop at, then whether they're actually going to get to your house, this is the one year where I'm going to tell you, um, yeah, you might want to try a bigger retailer. What about on the other end, like shopping locally or going to a place like Etsy, which is all, you know, for the most part, one-to-one type transactions? Is that a good option? Yeah, I asked Tim Brown about this, whether or not shopping local is one way to solve the supply chain issues. And he brought up a good point, which is that just because you're shopping local doesn't mean the thing is going to be on shelves, particularly if it's an imported good or a complex good, as we talked about before. Um, And he actually said he thinks that could end up driving more people to shop online. You know, I love local stores and all, though I'm not as much of a brick and mortar person now. I'm mostly online. But if you think about it, when you've got such scarcity, we've got such empty shelves in many places right now. Um, you know, if you're looking for receivers and all and go to certain electronic stores, there's not, not much um, out there. So if you're trying to buy in brick and mortar stores, it's hit and miss, you know, roaming the aisles and seeing what's there. And um, if it's not there, there's no way to allocate any inventory to yourself. You know, you can't place an order in a brick and mortar store on something that's not there. It's either there or it's not. So, um, you know, it's pretty much is, should be driving consumers to go even on more online because oftentimes with retailers, they'll go ahead and allow you to place an order um, even though the inventory is not there. You just get put in the queue for when, when the orders come in. So, uh, you know, in some ways I hate to say it, I think it, it's going to drive more, it should drive more people online because then they, they know it might not be next day they get it or next week, but at least two weeks from now they'll get it and they're not having to go store to store and come up empty. So yeah, ultimately, even if you try to shop local, you may end up being driven to shop online. Uh, but that said, you should still try to support your small businesses and shop local when you can. With Etsy, I mean, yes, a lot of the the people or craftspeople who are selling one-to-one and running their own small businesses, it probably is just going to depend on whether or not they can get the craft supplies that they typically need, like wood or paper or whatever it is like Adrian's talking about, you know, to make the thing that they typically make. But that might be a nice option. Yeah. Um, I have a suggestion for a gift that, as far as I know, has not been in short supply yet, which is booze. <laughs> I mean, not for your kids, Adrian, of course. Um, but um, but yeah, the other day it was my it was my brother's birthday and I was like a little bit late uh, on getting a gift. And I thought, well, like what? Oh, gosh, if I order him something now, it's maybe it's going to get there by Christmas. I don't know. So I went online to like a, you know, an online alcohol retailer. And then they it's a large website that has distribution centers all over. And they have a storefront in his town, which is across the country. And so I like ordered him a bottle of bourbon and then it arrived the next day. And I was like, you know, and I, of course, I, I tipped the, the driver well and like just was like, cool. All right, great. This is like this is a nice, easy solution. So, um, yeah, booze and hugs. There you go. I- There's my suggestion. Are you talking about uh, Drizzly, Lauren? No, I did not end up using Drizzly. I used, I think it's Total Wine and Liquors. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a good one. My version of booze and hugs is uh, socks and scotch. So that's going to be, everybody's just going to be warm and drunk this Christmas. Not the the children. (laughs) (laughs) The children would be warm and drunk on love. Um, My advice to people is to just Go for the stuff around the thing, right? So shop for the accessories. So you're probably not going to be able to get that person the e-bike they want. You can maybe pre-order it and let them know that it's going to be coming in like April or May. Uh, And in the meantime, you can get them like a helmet and maybe a cycling backpack, a nice rain jacket, uh, a pair of cycling shoes, 
um, you know, a, a, a membership to their local cycling coalition. You can like get the things around the thing for somebody. It's a little bit harder with something like a video game console. Like if you have an order in on a PS5 or if you have a line in on a PS5 and it's not going to arrive before the holidays, you may be able to get something like um, a pair of headphones that are, you know, like a wireless gaming headphones that are made or a controller that are made for that particular thing. Or you could just get them the the subscription to the, the Game Pass so that when the thing arrives, they'll be able to just start downloading games. So, you know, there are there are accessories options that I feel like are good if you can also get them the thing that they really want and it's just not going to arrive for four or five months. At least it'll like, you know, they'll they'll have something to touch now, <laughs> something that they can experience now and actually start using in other ways and then augment the thing that they actually want when it arrives. I think the theme of this episode has been like just kind of recalibrating your expectations. Like even if you can order the thing, like even if you really wanted like the Google Pixel 5a and you, but it's not coming in the color, you know, the exact color you wanted. Like we all just, we all just need to get a hold of ourselves, like just a little bit here. Like it's, it's okay if the exact thing that you wanted, I mean, as people, in the business of recommending like the one exact thing like this is particularly difficult to say but this might be a good holiday season to start letting go of that just a little bit yeah Yeah, i love i mean yes it's a it's a really good recalibration maybe we should name the episode that recalibrating shopping (laughs) recalibrating the holidays i mean another idea too is if you do want to support local businesses and you don't want to buy or you can't find the thing that is in the local business why not support an experience like get someone a gift certificate even if they're not feeling comfortable about going to a restaurant yet, they may feel better about dining indoors in a few months. They may want to get takeout. And in the meantime, you're supporting a local restaurant. Mm-hmm. You can get someone a gift certificate to, I don't know, a spa or just some other experience that they enjoy. Um, and then the other option we're, we're sort of leaving out, but is also obvious, is make a donation in someone's name as a gift. The food banks, you know, at, Anywhere where you can basically help others while you're also doing your holiday shopping, yeah. we always recommend. Absolutely. Do you know what's what my six-year-old has been, my six-year-old is getting vaccinated next week. And the thing that she's been super stoked on is going to an aquarium. Like she's just become like really fixated on going to aquarium, which is something that you can, my parents or anyone, you know, Gadget Lab listeners, if you would like to sponsor the So family to go to the aquarium, I'm just, you know, offering that as an option. But kids are getting, <laughs> kids are getting vaccinated really soon. And those like all of the things that they've missed over the past couple of years, like kids museums or aquariums or zoos. Um, mm-hmm. This is a really good time to get started jumping back into all that um one last thing that i'll that i'll say would be a good gift is you can always get somebody a uh, gift certificate to their favorite bookstore their favorite local bookstore that way they can go in and spend the afternoon browsing and pick out a couple of things they might like i don't know anybody who doesn't love a good bookstore i love that idea city lights all the way (laughs) all right well those are some great tips for everybody. Thanks to both of you. Let's take a break. And then when we come back, we will have our recommendations. (music) 
All right, welcome back to the final segment of our show, where every week we talk about some things that we think the listeners might enjoy. It could be a podcast, it could be a song, it could be a television show, it could be a food item, it could be a book. Adrian, you are our guest. You get to go first. What is your recommendation? So the longer this pandemic goes on, the more I retreat into uh, video, my adolescence, video games and high fantasy. So for everybody who was like frantically rereading Dune before the movie uh, was streaming on HBO Max. I am just warning you in advance that now is the time to start trying to desperately reread all of the Wheel of Time books because they are about to come out on Amazon. So if you haven't read those since you were like, I don't know, 13 or 14, like now is the time so you can know exactly when the series diverges from all the plot points. Nice. What's it? What's it all about? Wheel of Time? Yeah, it is, you know, it's, it's been a while. There's like, it's, it's another, it's another, it's another, the one story, Mike, there's like, the world is ending. There's like one dude who's like been reborn and it's gonna, we, we, we gotta find him. We're gonna get him. So I've just summed up like all 14 books for you. Like, spoiler. <laughs> I'm kidding. So that's like, that's like the general gist of it. Yeah. I'm sure there's some commenters who would, you know, like to clarify those points. But that that's that's basically all. There's a lot of, like, you know, robes and stuff. When is the uh, Amazon series coming out? Like, how much time do I have? Because it takes me about eight years to read a book. <laughs> so it's going to be available on November 19th. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of people really super excited about it. So. That is not nearly enough time. You should have told me this in like January. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't uh, I wasn't keeping abreast of things. But. Okay, Wheel of Time books. Rosamund Pike is in the trailer. She looks amazing. Like it's it's going to be great. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> Wheel of Time books. Thank you for that. Thank you for that A reading list assignment. Uh Lauren, what is what is your all, recommendation? All 14. I will settle for nothing less. <laughs> Lauren, what is your recommendation? My recommendation is, um, I, I guess it's not quite as fun as Adrian's, but it's still pretty good. It's the Lincoln. Yeah, what could be as fun as reading 14 books in like <laughs> a week? I'm recommending the Lincoln miniseries. I'm a little bit behind on it. It first aired this past winter, 20, winter 2021 on CNN. Now it is available on HBO Max. Everything is on HBO Max. Man, I love HBO Max. Isn't it funny to think just a little side note here, a little tangent, if you will, to think about how when HBO Max did its renaming a while ago, we were all just like, what? What are they doing? That's a terrible... What, what's H, what happened to Go and Now? And now it's Max and... Is there HBO Min? I mean, what is what is this? <laughs> and then, and then the app interface is really still pretty terrible. Like if you're trying to watch HBO Max on the iPad, like good luck with that. Yeah. But they have like all the good stuff now, like that all the series, they have Succession and do the movie Dune and and now you know. And anyway, so now I've been watching this Lincoln miniseries. It's a six part series about President Abraham Lincoln. Is very good. It's narrated by Sterling K. Brown. Um, it's got some never before seen like imagery and information. There's a little bit of like a, what's it called historical reenactment. Sure. Where there's with some actors. actors with you know you kind of vaguely see like a tall dark haired man in the background who's supposed to be Lincoln. Daniel Day. Oh yeah, Lincoln. Right. Right. right yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but it's uh, but a lot of historians contribute as talking heads to it, and it's it's just it's quite interesting, and it really I think. Um, how would I say this? It's 
in our modern society, I think we tend to be a little bit obsessed with bucketing people into either the, the hero or the villain category. And actually most, um, you know, high profile or extremely successful um, or powerful people are a little bit more nuanced and complex than that. And I think Lincoln certainly falls into that category. Um, and it kind of revisits the idea that like, you know, I think people believed he was a staunch abolitionist and it was actually a little more complicated than that. So um, yeah, I'm only on episode three, but I really like it so far and I'm probably gonna watch the whole thing. So I recommend watching the Lincoln miniseries on HBO Max. Nice. Do you know what else is on HBO Max? It's the 2005 Pride and Prejudice with uh, Matthew McFadden from Succession starring as AKA Mr. Tom. Darcy. Tom. And it's just, you cannot you cannot go backwards. You cannot watch Succession and then Pride and Prejudice because then you're just like, who is this doofus who's supposed to be playing the romantic lead? So that's my anti-recommendation off of HBO Max is going back to watch the 2005 Pride and Prejudice because it was just impossible to take it seriously. Does he ask anybody to latte him? Like I just kept like he's just walking around as Mr. Darcy and I just kept expecting him to just be like, I'm rich. It feels so good to be rich. (laughs) That's not what he does. He's very serious and brooding and you're supposed to be very attracted to him in the 2005 Pride and Prejudice and it just doesn't work anymore because I've already <laughs> yeah. already seen him put a He's towel on. He's not eating his... enough songbirds. In that yes! Way. I was going to say in Pride and Prejudice he doesn't put a towel on his head and crunch through an ortolan so it's just I can't I can't do it. Can't go back. Sure. So. <laughs> after that what's your recommendation? <laughs> uh, well okay I'm going to I'm going to go home team on this one and I'm going to go strong home team because I want to recommend that everybody watch Rewired <gasps> which is our conference that Wired puts on every year. You may have heard of it. Uh, this year it is happening on Tuesday November 9th and Wednesday November 10th. Uh, The tagline is conversations about humanity's biggest bets. And it is conversations with like very smart people. It's streaming live on the internet. All you have to do is come to Wired or go to re.wired.com. It's just like wired.com, except instead of www, you put the letters R E where the www goes and you'll be led to the website or you can just go to wired.com and you can look at all the, the uh, streaming uh, interviews that we have uh, really amazing people. Beeple will be there. The NFT artist, uh, John Cho, the actor, Johnny Ive, former Apple designer who now runs love from, which is one word. Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex is going to be there. Timnit Gebru, uh, who used to work at uh, Google, who's now an independent scholar. Kaifu Lee, uh, Neil Stevenson, the science fiction author, Anna Winter, our boss, is going to be interviewing Johnny <laughs> Ive. It's going to be a really interesting and fun two days and very thought-provoking. And you can watch all of it on Wired.com or you can go to re.wired.com to check it out. Uh, you have to register and then uh, you can watch it for free. So it's uh, it's going to be fun. That check sounds really exciting. Rewired. I mean, it is, you know, it's another year of virtual events for a lot of companies a lot of folks who are hosting events and i have to say some of them yeah you know they don't they don't play out so well as yeah. virtual events but this one like this is going to be a really good one yeah i agree i'm pumped this lineup is going to be is mind-blowing honestly i was like i don't know just going to submit questions 
for Prince Harry. Like, can we be friends? Can I hang out <laughs> at your house? Like very, very, you know, hard hitting, intellectual, thought provoking, conversation making questions. But I'm, I'm really excited for this, even though it's virtual. I think it's going to be one of those really killer virtual events. Yes. And even though we do work here, we are excited about it. Like yes. it's actually legit cool. <laughs> yes. Very pumped. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Adrian, for joining us this week. It's been great to have you back on the show. Yay. Thanks for having me, guys. And thank you all for listening. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. This show is produced by the excellent unflappable Boone Ashworth. Goodbye, and we will be back next week. Hi, everyone. Michael from Gadget Lab here. I want to tell you about our friends over at The Big Take Podcast from Bloomberg News. Each weekday, they bring you one important story from their global newsroom like how AI will upend your life, or why China's targeting the US dollar, and maybe how Joe Biden plans to take on Donald Trump. Oh boy. Check out The Big Take, a daily podcast from Bloomberg, wherever you listen.